Well, welcome to another Sensibility Podcast. Today we have Sarah Lloyd, who is um, a fashion designer, a designer who's actually got um, an incredible uh, vision and really is all about sustainability and ensuring that the brand is Australian-made, Australian-owned. And I recently went to one of her shows and was quite impressed with how she, how her business is modelled and um, just her outlook on fashion overall. So I really wanted to get her on the show because we, you know, it comes back to how what we talk about on sensibility about value and how investing in quality items that last long term and how fashion can actually fit into that sort of concept as well. Um, it doesn't need to be something that we buy and throw, and which is terrible for the environment and also not great for our wallets. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Amy, and thanks for having me on this morning. It's um, a pleasure to catch up with you as always, but also to be able to spend some time discussing things that are close to my heart with regards to sustainability, um, but also with design and um, seeing how women can not only feel good about themselves but also be mindful, I guess, of uh, the issues that we face around sustainability and looking at pieces which ultimately make them feel, look and feel beautiful and last. Absolutely. You know, I had um, Jessica, who's a stylist on the show, not so long ago we talked about the importance of investing in yourself and how clothing can make a big difference how you feel when you look good. Um, and when I saw mm. you and your range, which are classic pieces, quality fabrics, um, and the, that magic word sustainable um, design that you've sort of, you've really created a, a, a way of bringing a business to actually fit a lot of people's values in this current, you know, day and age where we are all becoming very aware of our environment and, um, you know, how much we consume and whatnot. So it sort of married in well, well when I saw you and with what the messages I'm sort of really trying to bring to light with this Sensibility podcast. So can you tell me, I mean, you sort of shared this with me when I saw your show about your range and what sort of motivated you to create something that um, doesn't really fit the, the mainstream sort of fashion business. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, Amy, first and foremost, um, with design, I, I guess I've been lucky of late because my values that I've held probably for the better part of 20 years or since I was young and now probably more or less becoming in vogue and are quite <laughs> mainstream when we use words like sustainability or less is more or quality over quantity. Um, at the heart of the business for me was always the passion and desire to create pieces first and foremost that make women feel beautiful. I, I guess my my background or growing up or family may have had some impact in the aesthetic as far as classic. I was always drawn to create or design pieces that I thought held value long term. I, I never saw any sense in buying something that you would have for a season or six months and then you would have to either gift it away or throw it away. I, I've always thought about the environment but more about your wardrobe and I guess your time, how much time it takes you to go out and cultivate pieces. So whenever I was designing, um, for me it came from that place of do I love it today 
Will I love it tomorrow? Can I see myself wearing this in 10 years' time? So with that in mind, every time I do a piece for a woman, I try and think longevity. I think if you're going to buy something or in, I use, I love the word investment because I think what's the point of buying anything if it's not for long term? I've never been a fan of um, uh, mass consumption or throwing away. I think it's something that is quite near and dear to my, my heart. And as I said to you now, it seems to become in vogue that a lot more people are thinking about what they're bringing into their homes or what they're bringing into their wardrobes, whether or not it's serving them long term and how it's going to work with their lifestyle. So first, I mean, as I said, I want something to be beautiful and I like to be able to think, does this, um, is this going to be around in 10 years? Will I wear it? And then thirdly, I always like to think about versatility and that comes back to lifestyle. So if I do design a piece and it might be for me, I really love um, tailored pieces and shirts and blazers. I, I then try and think how many ways can this be worn back and I think you, you touched on Jess before who's a stylist is also quite great at when she's meeting with women sort of looking at their wardrobes and saying this is an investment piece, how can I wear it, how many occasions um, will I have it long term, how is it going to wash and wear, that's a big thing for me too. Whenever I look at designing a garment I go through a process of testing the garment. I usually like to wear it myself for at least three to six months um, to see how I feel, to see how it performs because I want my clients and customers to have a particular experience when they're wearing my product. Um, so I hope that answers some of the questions but it's always for me it's been something very classic, um, something very versatile and something that wears well but ultimately I think the woman you've got to feel beautiful when you feel beautiful uh, you radiate a particular kind of confidence and so again true. you probably would have spoke with Jess and other stylists who will who will confirm um, that feeling when you put something on how it can affect your day. 100% uh, you brought that word investment in and that's you know obviously the common thread here is we all spend money um, in some way, shape, or form. We all will invest in our, in our wardrobe, but it's making those right choices, those right investments for the long term. Mm. You creating a sustainable um, wear in terms of its design and working with the right fabrics and, and considering the long term future of that garment is where we've, you know, when we're yeah. purchasing, is where we go. That's, that's what, you know, I was always. I was raised similar with it, the whole classic concept. My great-grandmother had said to us when we were growing up, always wear something, a quality piece, a quality expensive piece because it will make the outfit. And I've always kept that in mind. You, know, you can get some, you know, uh, a basic T-shirt and some jeans, but that blazer will just pull it all together. And, you know, so when we're, when we're thinking about what we're spending our money on, we have, we really need to be more, you know, considerate of not just um, where whether this piece is just going to be thrown out in the next six to twelve months. If it's going to be something we're spending good money on, say for five hundred dollars or maybe even thousand dollars on this one garment, how long is that going to be lasting? So one thing I was really impressed about with your presentation is this whole wash and wear and the concept of really researching and and sourcing quality fabrics um, because that also comes into the you know 
your your values of ensuring the garment is sustainable and will last a lifetime. Mm. Um, yes, Amy, I was going to speak a little bit more about sustainability. It, I guess in particular in the fashion industry, a lot of people, there's a, a big um, spotlight or has been in the last couple of years on fabrication and what fabrics um, are sustainable and which fabrics aren't sustainable. And that, I mean, I won't go sort of too deep or far down into that today because it's a whole other side matter. But for myself personally, I love using uh, natural fabrics, which are silks and cottons and linens. And But on the flip side of that, if you look at, if you want to really delve deep in sustainability, if you look at how some of the cottons are farmed and the chemical processes they go through to become wearable, some might argue that it's not entirely great for the environment. So I, I try to keep an open mind. I'm also will use, um, this is a scary word for a lot of people, the word polyester at times. For me, again, it would have to come back to me. Chiffon polyester that's a high grade quality and it's going to last 10 to 20 years over another piece that basically might be sustainable but falls into pieces within four to six months. I have to sort of look at what's the long-term value here. So for me, it's always been about the garment, feeling beautiful, looking beautiful and lasting, but I'm not, I guess I'm guess not so heavily um, invested into is this a cotton and, um, you know, is it a, is it a silk? They're, they are my preference, but at the end of the day, it'll always come down to how the garment presents, how it feels on and how long it lasts. So that's a, sort of a little bit of a different side project because there are a lot of fashion labels and brands out there purporting to be sustainable, but at the same time they're, they're using very, very low-grade natural fibres, um, essentially that are designed only to last a handful of months and, again, we're going to landfill. Yeah. So it's a very interesting topic and um, I think the good thing is is people are becoming a lot more educated. Uh, my approach is to sustainability wholeheartedly, it's going to be quite an interesting topic, Amy, is... Um, we need to be consuming a lot less. That's sustainable. I think I might have spoken about that when you did come to my recent um, showing. Mm. So to, for us all to move forward to, into sustainability is very much about acquiring less pieces, but about those pieces being quality pieces that um, last for years and years. So you might be someone that you think that you're being sustainable by buying a handful of pieces that... Um, might be a particular fabric, but at the end of the day, you're still consuming volume that's going into landfill. So, yeah, I guess I, it's a strange thing. Could you call me anti-consumer and a minimalist? Um, I, I have a very old-fashioned approach as well. If you look, I think if you speak to some of the elderly people that are still around or your grandparents, if you have them, they may have had five or ten outfits and that was it. And they had one outfit on a Sunday and they weren't ashamed to wear that on repeat or wear that for the year. Whereas I think, you know, we've come from a very different mindset where women uh, think that they need for each occasion or each um, venue, they need a whole, a whole new outfit to present in. And I think we need to probably start shifting our mindsets a little bit with respect to um, our turnover in clothes. And I think women may need to get a little bit more comfortable with being seen in the same piece again and again. Um, but coming back to design, I always try and think about that, Amy, if it is a particular dress or a blazer. I don't, um, more often than not, I won't sort of opt for a big 
loud print that's quite noticeable or that's transient. I think when you when you look at a handful of prints, people do identify oh that particular dress. Whereas if you do a you know something the classic or a classic navy that can be accessorised a number of ways, um, it sort of provides you I guess with that longevity that where it's a piece that you you will wear again and again and still feel quite comfortable in. That you know, there's a few things in my mind going in my mind now with questions that I want to ask you because you you said so many things there that are um, that interest me. Firstly, um, you I remember when we after the show I was like, oh, there's so many things I want to buy here, and you turned around to me, don't buy anything right now because I, I've had a baby and I want to lose weight and I'm not wanting to buy many clothes until I'm back to my normal size, and work with what I've already got in my wardrobe. Um, and there's some classic pieces in your line that I absolutely love. Some of you have got some beautiful blazers and some gorgeous dresses. Um, but uh, you, you very clearly said, no, 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 don't buy anything. And it's a very unusual thing to hear from a, you know, a fashion label who needs to be in business and earn an income and discouraging someone wanting to purchase. I, I sort of found that there's your integrity right there. You know, there's sort of you walking the talk and believing what you, you believe in, knowing that I will come back and purchase when I'm ready. But um, I didn't. There was no pressure for me to do that. So that also brings me to how you another part of your business model, which I found, um, and correct me if I'm wrong. My understanding is that you will make to order. So you're yes. you're ma not mass producing. So not mass producing means there's this landfill there as well. If, if if those items don't get sold. Yeah. Well, part part of the and I'll explain the the made to order. I mean, so with the production run for me as a boutique business, I produce and manufacture in Australia. That's a, again might be a different podcast or a chat for us because that's something that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, and it's for me as a designer, it's also had its advantages this year, twenty twenty, being COVID and everything that's unfolded. So being a a boutique business that's agile. I um, produce very small limited runs. So at any one time in my collection, it's a, about a 30, 30 units per garment when other, I guess other labels are looking at minimums of a thousand plus per garment. With my made to order, really that's a means of me being able to do a handful of more pieces that are specialized that might be occasion based um, where women come to me and can choose their fabrication and get the dress, I guess, customised to fit them. Uh, with COVID, obviously, you came to a showing a couple of months ago, which was one of the first for me for 2020. But with um, the way that the years panned out again for 2021, I'm looking at to redo those seasonal showings, probably four per year, where I'll be looking at doing highlight pieces for women that can come and organise, um, order something which is customised for them. And again, I guess that touches on that sustainability I'm not when it comes to the high-end fashion pieces I'm not in a position to do a production run and have them sort of sit there I much prefer sort of to work with women one-on-one -on -one, show them some highlight pieces it gives me an opportunity to as a designer to do a few more pieces that excite me I guess uh, I mean the classics are great pieces but um, every now and then you like to branch out as a designer and do other pieces that I guess you could say take women's breath away um, and that's where I do the um, custom made and made to order. Yeah, I think that's brilliant and I, I just, um, there's not much of that kind of service out there. We, we've been a society where everything is instant, you know, we've got our phones, it's instant, we want to know something, we Google. Um, 
and I love the idea of if you know getting a piece it's made I, I get I get because I go races and when I have hats that are made for me and whatnot and it's there's nothing better than having that anticipation of a piece that you're waiting for and it, and then it, it's done and it's arrived and you're a part of the creative process even though you're as a consumer not the one creating it but you're involved in some right way that's exciting and I think that's a great um another part of the investment process and you know you're involved you'll get it there's a waiting period of getting it sort of sorted and um and ready to be made and whatnot so I love that concept that when you sort of said when I found out actually it was, it was actually months ago I remember messaging you going do you do custom pieces like made to order and you came back and went yes and obviously COVID happened and I was like oh, I can't get anything made um but this is what I want because I love that idea that going to be looking to have some special pieces unique yeah. pieces you are going to step you know stand out in the crowd and you can re-wear them over and over again in different ways and different um if, if, at different events because you know that no one else is going to have that yeah and that's um gorgeous. the it is lovely amy working with the clients i especially like love the process of guiding them after the recent showing in october i've done a number of custom orders and you can show a client a particular fabric in a certain colour and then when you um, sort of get a little bit more one-on-one -on -one with them, I think the guiding process in showing them what colours which will really bring them to life. I had a client recently, she's just over the moon at a, um, I was able to source a particular emerald, I guess you call it an emerald green and even I was surprised because first we were going to be going for something, a royal blue, which was quite bright. And then I came along the screen and I thought, gosh, this is really this woman. I hope she loves it. And um, she was sort of blown away. So you get, you you know, part, becoming part of the process in sort of designing your own piece or or choosing a colour or a fabric which you know is really going to bring you to life or be made specifically for you is is a part of the business that I, I mean it's a boutique or a small aspect of the business but something that I'm still sort of heavily invested in and engaged with um, in offering that service because you're right we are we have sort of come into a time where everything's we're living in a very fast pace everything's mass made um, sort of a cookie cutter process so for us still especially here in Australia to be able to offer a boutique service for women where they can become part of the design process. I think it's um, I think it's very special, and especially this year, I think a lot of people's mindsets have gone back to that. Less is more. Um, not saying crafting or boutiquing, but I think it's made a lot of people stop and think and reevaluate how they're living their lives and um, the kind of approach they want to take moving forward. 100 percent um this year has been it's like we're you know my, my stepdaughter's really into her um what is it you know star signs and she's like we're entering the age of aquarius now and it's a thousand year process but it's a time where awareness is coming and this is this year has been um a you know a, a changing a pivot point for many many businesses many many mm um where we're all kind of reevaluating out you know what we want out of life working from home is one thing you will found you know um you brought up actually the concept of having a, a uniform so having some key pieces that you wear that are just comfortable wearing every single day and i think most of us who work from home in the beginnings of covid found themselves automatically not even thinking about it putting on sort of a uniform somewhere mm. 
whether it be the tracksuit pant, which um, I never really wore until this year. I never even had a pair of trackies. Um, but, but because I was still trying to deal with the baby weight, I was just like, I want to be comfortable. But what I found my uniform was actually the maternity dresses that I wore over and over and over again last year. Elastic waistband, still looked really lovely, flowy, maxi dresses that in winter I could put leggings under, you know, and be warm. And I love that idea of, yeah, let's have a uniform. Let's have some really key pieces that are really, yeah. you can dress up um, with some accessories and whatever and still look on Zoom or when we're heading up the shops, you know, I think we can still celebrate dressing nicely, but it doesn't have to be that we have a new outfit every single day. Yeah, I agree. Um, I love, I mean, I love the idea of a uniform, Amy, only because it also it saves so much time for women. So it, it really when I when I talk or brief women about a uniform, essentially you, you want to look at what's your lifestyle or where are you at today, not where you were five years ago. So what are you actually doing today? What size are you today? Uh, and it doesn't need to be so many pieces as well. I've sort of spoken to clients about it being three to four pieces that fit your body shape, um, you feel comfortable, you feel confident in. And then getting it in two to three colorways that actually suit you and you wear it again and again. I, I said I love designing, but I don't, to be, to be frank and honest with a lot of women, is like I probably own about four or five pieces from my entire collection. And in the last however many years, you'll see me wearing that same jumpsuit in three colorways. It could be an evening and I change the fabric to a silk or something bright. Uh, out of all my blazers, probably two that I wear on repeat all the time and a handful of cotton t-shirts and denim. Uh, I've got a uniform for myself because it makes my life easy and I know when I put it on, it works for me, it suits me. Um, obviously, you know, you have a special events or occasions where you dress up, but um, essentially I find for women, unless you're changing body shape, i.e. going through a life change or having a baby, um, I think you should try to be considered or mindful about those shapes that suit you and sort of stick to that. And I think, I mean, again, it's all different things, branding and identity, but people come to know you, I guess, for a particular um, look or a particular aesthetic. I mean, it is exciting to go out and, and you know, uh, surprise people or dress it up. I just think when it comes to streamlining your life and feeling comfortable and confident, a uniform really um, works to serve you long term. I love, I absolutely love it. And you know, I talk to people who actually are fortunate enough to be given a uniform for work. I mean, having said that, it's, uh, there's many uniforms I could think of for work that aren't so exciting, but those that are given sort of beautiful uniforms absolutely love the idea of not being able to think every morning to get up and know that they put something on that they feel confident and comfortable in. So, I've always encouraged women, even those that are looking at my collection or looking at a handful of pieces that evaluate what's happening in your life at the moment, what are the shapes, what are the colours, stick with that um, and work to update it as need be every six to 12 months if necessary. I can think of a few people, famous people, that I know have their own uniform. Years and years ago when Elle McPherson was, you know, clicked by paparazzi all the time, she would always be wearing a white T-shirt, a, a navy blazer, a black blazer, double-breasted, and blue jeans and loafers. That was her look, yeah. black sunnies. And every time, yeah. it was meant to should have a scarf, and the same way the scarf would always, that was a look consistently that she always had. 
Um, Gail Kelly, who is yeah. CEO of um, Westpac, always had the same same suit but different colours. So she would have the same suit, different fabrics. Steve Jobs always had the grey t-shirt and jeans. That was uniform. Had multiple t-shirts and jeans. That was it. So you know what? It takes a thing. Yeah. It does take the thinking out of what you have to get up and wear as a work day. And then obviously weekend you can change it up. But thinking about um, how we spend money, obviously I'm going to bring money into the conversation being mm. the podcast. I yeah. sit and look at um, people's expenditure. It's part of what I do for a living. And a lot of people are very unaware yeah. of the money they spend, especially women, when it comes to their looks, their beauty regime, um, their fitness regime, and also their clothing. And it can be quite mm. overwhelming when they see the money they spend and yet they can go, oh, my God, I've got nothing to wear and they want to pull out, you know, go yeah. shopping, jump, go to Zara or H&M or somewhere cheap and cheerful to grab a yeah. piece to only wear it once. And I've been guilty of that before. I engaged with Jessica. I had um, outfits that either, you know, I had lots of outfits I got secondhand and love, re reused stuff. I love classic old School, I love op shop clothing, but there were also clothes in my wardrobe that had tags on them. It's wow, even being worn. Oh, and that's not okay. I mean, I do have a big wardrobe, I do have a lot of clothes, but I have them. You know, I've got my racing gear, you know, I've got my, um, you know, uh, sort of black tie events, small, but I've got a few things that if I've got an event, I've got three or four amazing pieces that I could wear depending on what time of year it is and then I've got my everyday wear and I've just had a car recently because I had to, to move house and um, I don't yeah. I, I was one I wasn't going to buy any more clothes until I got rid of a good bag of stuff that went to charity but then I had this yeah. massive guilt because I was throwing stuff away so I'm changing the way I'm thinking and it's because of a business like yourself that yeah. this concept where we're now thinking hang on I want to buy pieces I'm never going to throw away again. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want to be able to go move house again and not feel like I have to cull more stuff that I, this is going to last me forever. And knowing that there's an amount of money that I've saved because I've invested that mm. in these long-term pieces. I'm not going to H&M or Zara or somewhere, you know, where their designs are churn, constantly churning and they want to sell non-stop but a lot of that stuff does get thrown away yeah i think um coming back to the concept of the uniform or what works for me what suits me what how how what's the best version of me really helps you steer away from what we call trends and i think that's a very old-fashioned thing now like that's where we once upon a time when we had magazines every month would be these seasons colors this particular trend this particular look like i think women are a lot more savvy and in tune with themselves now that that whole concept of um what's in at the moment those that i guess have a you know a little more of a considered aesthetic or lear towards being sophisticated don't opt to go for trends and therefore aren't caught up in that um cycle of oh god i need something new or what's in trend i need to look a certain way I um, have always said to women that buying buying pieces, um, I, I think cheap. I think the adage is that cheap is expensive. So you can you can look to buy, for instance, three to four average blazers at a I don't know what kind of a shop, yeah, mass produced shop, and, and and look, they're not cheap. When I say mass produced shop, they're they're retailing a blazer between two ninety five and three ninety five, and that's what we call a mass produced 
offshore thing but you can buy two to three and you cost analysis about a thousand dollars in each of those pieces you might have for a year you feel averaging wet them a handful of times um, as opposed to looking to invest in a, a piece or one that you absolutely when you put it on it fits like a glove you feel a million dollars and that particular piece will work back with your evening attire as well as your work attire as well as your casual attire like I um there's a particular piece for a blazer in my collection that hits all those for me. I wear it religiously and I always get stopped in it all the time. Um, so that's how I try to, when I'm sort of working with a client, help them see a mindset of, you know, sometimes the way that you shop or your habits are actually incredibly expensive. And I have met women that have had things in the wardrobe with tags on it. Like that, I'm not saying that breaks my heart. I always, I have a particular rule for myself personally, Amy, and it is when you bring one thing in, one thing goes. <laughs> a lot of people find that very scary, but I like to liken it to a particular energy flow um, and movement and growth in our lives. So mm -hmm. sometimes we find it hard. It was like a, a new thing comes in, you reevaluate your wardrobe, you're okay, well, what's, what, what goes out now? So, um, yeah, when we look at what we're spending, um, on, on especially on pieces that particularly aren't being worn or they're being gifted, I guess people are incredibly surprised. But once they've um, got into the habit of creating a mindset about investment, and I, I mean, not just in clothing, I, I, I look at that in white goods, lounges, anything. I mean, unless you're looking at long term or how long is this going to last, I always ask people either make do, that's coming back to being sustainable, uh, see what you have in your family that you can um, beg, borrow or steal until you can actually afford that piece that you go, you know what, I'm going to have this for the X amount of years, I'm going to get um, a certain amount of value out of it. So adopting that kind of um, uh, a sustainable approach or a long-term approach or an investment approach, I think it really, it saves you across the board. Um, 100%. So many time, money, um you know, the worry even, the time, amount of time people spend in acquiring. I mean, a lot of us, we like our quick fixes because we momentarily it makes us feel good about ourselves until the next thing comes along. But I think it comes down to just creating new habits and, um, you know, giving ourselves the time to stop and think, you know, do I love, do I love this? How do I feel in it? Um, what's the value? I mean, in everything. That's, um, it's been a journey that I've been on and something that I try and keep consistently across all my, I guess, my purchases or when I'm looking to acquire or buy something, I try and look value long term. Um, how is this aiding or assisting me? And in doing that, you are not buying on a whim as well. So, you know, with the work, some of the money coaching stuff I do, um, people can, they're subconsciously behaving that creates things like dopamine so autom like they just want to get on their phone and they'll order stuff online or they get up on a Saturday morning and walk you know traipse through West uh, Westfield or Bondi mindlessly purchasing to get this sort of trigger of say something like dopamine that they're addicted to but there's no real thought behind it if you actually are going there's a checklist in order for me to then part with my money to be making sure that this is a true investment that checklist stops us from paying mindlessly. And that's where, the, as you sort of put it, it can be quite expensive in the long term if you aren't really thinking about the picture. Um, as you know, you're just in the process of moving, I'm just in the house, 
you do reevaluate everything when you're looking at a new home and what furniture you need or what stuff you can't fit in the house. All those things have to go through your mind. We're doing a lot of research now on the right barbecue and we're not going to compromise. Why compromise when it's something that's going to be about feeding our family and an experience that we want to go on for it for a very long time? You know, same thing about dressing ourselves. It is an investment. You brought up two things earlier about how women will feel good when the, the quality of the garment is you know, made, just made to measure potentially, but just made in that high end versus mm. it might still be a couple of hundred bucks, $300, but that extra, going that extra mile can make a massive difference to how you feel and how you look. And that's where the true investment is where it comes yeah. down to where we're parting with our money. Mm. Um, bringing back to how your business goes, uh, you've had to obviously be very careful of how you operate your business with this kind of model. Yeah. Can you give me, have you? Have yeah. You... So, Amy, I was going to say even when we were just touching on um, investing, I the business has been operating for two years now and I look to what I call a direct model approach at the moment. So that's where I said sell direct to clients. When I, if and when for certain items, if I was to try and factor in wholesale and retail, um, a case example of a blazer retailing at $6.99 would retail at $9.99 or $1,000. So I to try and make something, I guess, if you could use the word accessible to, to my clients, I sell online primarily. I do so also through events and do custom made, but I look at it, that direct approach for me to be able to warrant, I guess, the margins and make the business viable for me. Um, the other the other thing that's sort of where I'm at an advantage at the moment, as I said, is being able to be agile. Obviously, with the custom made pieces, I don't know if there's nothing that's being produced there that's not already prepaid or, or thought of financially, I think, in that aspect. As I said, also with my smaller runs, looking at doing only 30 sort of pieces at a time and producing locally here in Australia, that also gives me a handle on um, production and not, I guess, not overproducing or sitting on anything that I think may not go. I guess in the height of COVID last year, I was, I guess, in a very a, a great spot as opposed to a lot of people because I didn't have 10 or 15 uh, retail stores that were closed overnight, like a lot of other people. Um, I think for me, moving forward to continue to do the events, which gives women an opportunity to come in and see the garment and feel it. And look, a one or two shots in the next year or so isn't out of the question. It's just, um, I think I've been very fortunate and lucky to date, just starting intimately focusing on a beautiful product and selling direct to clients to begin with, as I said, but having said that, you know, we might sit here and have a podcast in another 18 months or two years where I've expanded and grown um, and in a very different um, situation. But because as a sole sort of business owner and runner, the way that I've been modelling it the last year or two, to me, made sense. And also because I think people, there was a demand, an increased demand for a, not saying a slower pace, so to speak, but more of an intimate, um, a boutique product where people could meet the designer. And as I said, I have these showings 
um, more so now obviously throughout COVID wasn't a possibility, but now moving into 2021, opportunities for women to come in and hear about um, what it's like to produce and manufacture in Australia, and then also get that added um, information and support around sustainability, how a garment's made, how you should how you should care for a garment or what creates longevity or you know a particular wardrobe that's going to work for you so that's something that's very passionate I think the one-on-ones I get to do with clients obviously as I grow the business it won't be my time um, will be stretched out but if I can transition a lot of my philosophy and beliefs I guess into a video format it's still going to be able to reach a lot of people and give them that insight or that message um, around, I guess, supporting Australian-made and boutique businesses in general, not just in fashion and production, but more of a mindset around um, looking at our local talent here and really um, looking to support that and grow that, which I think has happened throughout COVID. I was really surprised. I was expecting 2020 to be perhaps a year of shrinkage, but it's interesting to say or talk to people to go, for me personally, it's been um, a really great year which is which is positive or you know I'm quite thrilled about it's it's been quite a year because we started off with severe um, bushfires some of the work that the worst this country's ever really experienced but out of that there was this movement to shop local and support local and be you know be mindful of our um, the people who are producing what we use every day that affected our farmers and um, our small businesses and our communities. This, you know, and from that the message then continued to spread because COVID happened, people locked, mm. and people's businesses were affected again in a different way. Yeah. So I had this mind shift of where will I spend my money? How am I spending my money? Mm. Um, you know, and looking at how we can support our communities or our local businesses. And that all comes down and, in, you know, weaves into the concept of also the sustainability movement. Yes. Where we became aware that the world shut down and all of a sudden the environment thanked us for it, you know, it was clearer. The, um, this conversation of the environment, um, it sort of, it just answered itself in some respect because the world had to stop. And with that, our minds had to very quickly shift. So in a business like yours, it's been it's fantastic because you've actually had that opportunity to mm. sit on that journey and that, you know, through these two massive challenges this country's seen and actually it works for you, which is fantastic. Yeah. And, and it's going to work for a lot of businesses that actually are going more online and focusing yeah. direct to the client, you know, to the, to the consumer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's so many things that are, we've realised aren't necessary in, in this world anymore, you know. Um, like I feel bad for a lot of those property investors with commercial properties and CBD that, that now mm. businesses aren't using or harming. Yeah. You know, people are sharing offices that like, I'll only go into the city twice a week versus being in there full time, you know. Yeah. My husband and I haven't been in the city pretty much at all this year. Wow. And yeah. One client meeting in town, that's it. And that was before COVID. He hasn't had any meetings in town at all this year and we've managed to run business from home. So it is a very different world. And you yeah. has been created prior to the world changing and it's actually changed for you in, in your favour. Timing, um, it's funny about timing, Amy, and where you can 
find yourself or be positioned and be in a, as I said, a an advantage point, so to speak. Um, yeah, as I said, but I guess for a lot of other people where you're right, they've either had a commercial lease or they've had a, a lot of um, eggs out there, so to speak. They've had to rein it in and reevaluate. I, I, because I think my business being in its infancy and just sort of getting into the growth phase, I wasn't in a position where I was paying retail space. Or, and I guess for my business as well, the move to online was um, – Fast and Furious, even before COVID hit. So there, all, all the brands or anyone out there that's actually got a product, if they weren't already transitioning to on, online or had an online presence, I, I guess COVID very, very rapidly made that a reality um, for them. I think um, they'll all, moving forward, there always will still be a need or a space for whether it be a showroom. People, Whilst we're transitioning to the online world, people um, are hardwired for a relationship. They still want to look, feel, touch, hold something. I think in the space that I'm in, we just need to reevaluate what that looks like instead of, you know, a, a, a flagship store on every corner. It, it, I mean, in my instance, it'll be a showroom or creating a boutique experience where people come and book into the showroom and try pieces on. And then obviously, naturally, there are a lot of things online that just uh, easy fits or easy wears um, that you can buy online, return online like a lot of people do. So it's so 2021 and the following year, I think even um, once our vaccine's in place, we're all, I guess, up and uh, living in the new normal, um, the retail spaces and um, office blocks, and we will still be shifting and rethinking about how we get about in uh, our world and how we operate and do business. Um, but yeah, this year, I was going to say this year for me, I've found myself probably in the upsweep of uh, a lot of support for local makers and producers and local businesses. I mean, before before in clothing or my business, there was a huge shift um, about people wanting to know where their food was produced, how their food was produced, was it locally made and so okay. there's been a follow-on effect for a lot of people asking those similar questions across all their purchases. Um, yeah. Where does Australia sit in production across A, B, C or D? I mean, we over the last 20 years, we've closed all our factories across everything from the auto automotive industry to clothing, footwear, textiles. Like I'm, I was going to say just before we wrap up, I deal with a, one of the last man standing manufacturers of high-end um Cottons and Jersey Knits in Melbourne, and they've been in business for 25 years, and they um, produce and manufacture for international high-end brands in the States and internationally. Um, and I, I actually sort of do business with them to produce uh, portions of my collections and to be able to create and pr produce something that is 100% Australian-made is really not heard of in 2020. It doesn't. It doesn't exist. But having said that, uh, some of the colleagues and peers and people that I've met and dealt with over the years, from footwear to millinery, they're now all um, looking around Australia and getting in contact and connection with people that are essentially in retirement, that uh, whether they're milliners or whatnot, to see if we can bring back more manufacturing and more producing here, where some industries have previously died. So, um, it. It'll be interesting even. I mean, we another chat is about the labour costs, which is different altogether, but um, I think with the shift in mindset where people are looking at 
investing or spending a little bit more and having something that's quality or lasts, hopefully we see a future or some sort of a resurgence here in Australia in the manufacturing and the production, especially if it can facilitate more jobs locally here at home, but that's probably a chat for another time. You know, you've, there's so much that, there that exactly that we we are we are all changing. I think we, it's been a slow process. The, the the challenge we're all up against are these big companies that will try and shove down our throat the, the instant notification and which causes mass consumer behaviour and whatnot. But we, I, as an you know an advisor, I see people wanting to invest their money and in, you know into their superannuation into ethical. Uh, and sustainable investments. So it's it's not just where we're thinking about what goes on our plates and what goes on our clothing, it's how our money's being spent or how our money's being invested and what kind of businesses they're going into. So it's 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 a it, there is a massive movement and it's a positive one. Um, yeah. If we do something about if we aren't going to jump on board with this, we won't have the the future. This this world will not be. The world currently mm. live in now. I mean, it's just going to go downhill if we aren't looking after it. Everything you sort of mentioned has an impact on our environment, and um, mm. it's also got an impact on our economy. It's got an impact on, uh, you know, our well-being. It's got. It's actually quite a, a, a massive wellness wheel, but from a, a global scale, just thinking and changing our mindset to buying, um, you know through buying, say, a garment through you versus me going and buying, you know, a couple, spending a few hundred bucks on a, a blazer that um, might, won't be able to wash and wear and throw into a suitcase and, you know, it would be torn apart after a couple of years. Whereas I know your fabrics because you've, you've sourced them, you've sourced them from Australian. Um, yeah. you've, you've done all your research on that. You've done the trial, you know, yourself on those products those items before they come to me as a consumer. Me knowing that means that I'm feeling more confident in parting my money with a business like yourself and knowing that I'm going to have these key pieces long term. But it has a ramification in so many ways. You just sort of hit the nail on the head with that. Mm. Um, and that's what we've all got to be mindful for. You know. The minimalist concept I struggle with, but that's me being saggy that I've kind of some crazy, I like, I like mess around me. I can't, you know, can't help myself. I'm, I'm like lots of colour, lots of knickknacks, and I like to collect. I'm a bit of a hoarder, but I love the idea of um, being simple and having a more simpler existence. But mm. the idea of being able to go and have something made, old school, go, you know, yeah, I, you know, the the, the old romantic in me. It's like you know, like Anne of Green Gables and going and getting my first dress properly made for me. You know, beautiful. Um, <laughs> It's it, when you have those moments, Amy, and we and we all do all being a Sagittarius. Because I adopted what we ought to be called a minimalist uh, approach. When I am looking to have a particular um, tea party, fa fancy hoo-ha, I normally knock on a family family friend store or a girlfriend I know to borrow that particular china or the, that um, those decorations or whatever it is for that moment. Um, Another thing with, with other girlfriends even in my own wardrobe when they've had an event, gosh, I shouldn't talk them again like, away from shopping or buying, but I'm like, oh, I've got a great royal blue dress for you. It's going to fit you to a tee. Why don't you wear that to occasion? You don't have to worry about um, buying it as a one-off. I'm happy to lend it to you. And I 
I think that's where quite a few of the um, higher places have um, done really, really well. But look, I think be, be true to yourself and wave your flag of colour as sorts and, and be that. But I think within the wider scope, as you said, just we look at a, a long-term and um, long-term mentality and maybe how we can share that that joy or that love around that uh, ultimately serves the planet, always serves the planet and people for the future. Yeah. It's a great message. I mean, there's so much we could, as you said, we could talk more and more about this and I would love, I'd love to get you on the show again. Maybe we talk um, a bit more around the business modeling and yeah. how, you know, maybe even how you fabrics and, and just the ongoing vision that you have with, um, with your business. Um, sure. But I find this all very fascinating and I'm sure that if I do, others would. Um, Excellent. I think it's really important that we often lift the lid on how we run our own businesses as well because, um, you know, money money needs to be shared in all sorts of ways or the concept of money and how we manage it and how we, we build on it and whatnot. Um, so I want to uh, do a big, bit of a call to action. How do people contact you, have a look at where to where your designs are. Um, and Amy, they, obviously I've got my social media channels, which would be Instagram and Facebook, and the the name for that is Sarah Lloyd Australia. They can jump on social media. They can message me direct. They can also email me through my website, which is www.sarahlloyd.com. .au. Um, I do have assistants who sort of filter a handful of the emails, but I'm also on top of them myself. So if you address it to me 100% of the time, I will get back to you in due course. Um, my next event will be scheduled from the studio in early March 2021, and I will be advertising that in early January from the website. So, um, yeah reach out or get in touch with me direct and um, any of those women. Obviously, I'm based here in Sydney, so for the Melbourne and Brisbane clients or Perth clients, a lot of them sometimes I'll do a video or a Zoom where need be to talk about custom made, but definitely for all the Cindy women, um, March next year will be the next event. So jump online and um, reach out as, as need be. Fantastic. Um, and obviously another call to action, if you are liking the Sensibility Podcast, I encourage you all to share, share with people you think would um, be interested in hearing us have this chat um, or other, other episodes that are coming out. Um, and also if you are interested in um, what your money type is, I've got that uh, money uh, type on my website as well. So that's a little fun game that finds out what archetypes you're sort of uh, channeling in which can affect how you and your money how you behave with your money so thank you again Sarah for coming on board I would love to get you back on I love your range I'm looking forward to investing in a few pieces and maybe getting a custom-made one soon so that's exciting I'm just I've just got to change my body shape a little bit after this baby that's all but we'll get uh, Amy thank you it's been a pleasure talking with you this morning and I'd love to um, do a follow-up chat with you in the new year when you're ready. And uh, as you said, there's a lot. Um, there's a lot <laughs> there's, we could talk there's about. There's a lot that we could talk about. But again, thank you um, to all the listeners and thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Well, everyone have a wonderful day.